0: Hi, I'm Elise Lunen, co host with Gwyneth of the Goop Podcast. Today's guest is Eileen Fisher. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our friends at Kettle One Botanical who helped make today's episode possible. The Goop team loves a good bar cart. We sell a beautiful one on the site, custom built by designer Chris Earle. And if you've come to one of our pop-ups or in Goop Health, you might have sampled some of the custom cocktails that go along with it, which are often made with Kettle One Botanical. Kettle One Botanical, for the uninitiated, is vodka distilled with real botanicals and made with non-GMO grain. There's no sugar and no carbs and no artificial sweeteners or flavors. You can order your own Kettle One Botanical at drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y. Don't hold anything too
1: tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go.
0: For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves.
1: When people stop believing, that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you
0: become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is The Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Eileen Fisher is a clothing designer. Although she insists she doesn't feel like one, she is the founder and co CEO of the eponymous clothing brand. We actually met to talk. A few days after we shut down our office before social distancing became the norm. And so it was interesting and quite powerful to be with her at this moment of extreme uncertainty. Today, Eileen explains how starting her company required wrestling with her own discomfort and that her passion is designing clothes that are timeless, high quality, of course, comfortable, and ideally essential. We talk about finding healthier ways to shop more consciously, and that we really don't need as many clothes as we think. Eileen gives us an inside look at how her company is run. For example, her employees own 40% of the business. Eileen is shy to consider herself the real leader of the company. She views Eileen Fisher as more of a big collective. And finally, we talk about sustainability and how it is no longer a nice-to-have, but essential for businesses who want to exist in the future.
1: People should maybe look at what they spend on clothing in a year and try to think how could they spend it more consciously shop more
0: carefully and more consciously. Let's get right to my conversation with Eileen Fisher. And you're about simplicity,
1: right? Oh, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) I try to create the illusion of simplicity because life is so
0: complicated. (laughs) No, but it's true. I mean, you are in some ways... Like the antithesis of a fashion designer, even yeah. though you yeah. have a, one of the most well-known fashion companies in the world. so funny. On
1: my way in here, I was like dusting myself off because I got stuff on my lap from the napkin at the table. I was like trying to dust myself off and I'm like, I have to look like a fashion designer. Do I look like, <laughs> do I look like a clothing designer? <laughs> it's funny as I don't actually think of myself as a fashion designer, Yeah. you know, even though I know I design clothes.
0: Yeah. I love the story. The idea of the kimono is the oh, central inspiration. The inspiration,
1: right? It's so yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, no, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My mom loves Eileen Fisher. Nice. It yes. is. It's like her splurge brand. Aww. And it's she just is one of those people who always was like, why would I not buy multiples? of the same essential (laughs) things. Like she just never understood the idea of fashion. Everything changing all
1: the time. and Yeah. Yeah. The madness of it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also this idea that um, it was a, a head scratcher to her. And I remember coming, I'm from Montana and I came home and this was, I first started working at Condé Nast and, it was my early 20s when I was test driving every trend and looking insane in retrospect like I looked like such an asshole. And I remember coming home and I had these Prada heels and I bought them in brown and black as an ode to my mother, but then my mom was like, "What the hell?" And I wore them to a Christmas party. This is in the winter. She was like, "You're you're embarrassing yourself, but I'm going to let you do it without comment." But she was like, "Why would you not be comfortable?" All right like right. why what right. do you think that is like why do you think as women we're so willing to be uncomfortable to look good yes
1: it's so funny yeah i think i think the priority of looking good is 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 big for a lot of women it's funny i'm just sitting in my mind i'm just remembering sitting on my concrete steps in front of my house when i was young and having a discussion about with the You know, people there, you know, different women on the block talking about suffering to look good. You have to suffer to look good. And in those days, they wore girdles. And we we slept with curlers in our hair that, like, poked these things into our heads. And it's like crazy ideas, you know. And I remember in my mind thinking, no, that's not true. You don't have to suffer to look good, Mm
0: -hmm. you know.
1: It was just... But I, but there is some idea like that.
0: In your early... Was your first job at Burger King?
1: It was one of my first jobs, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: As you... Was it the Burger King outfit or a uniform? Is that <laughs> I what inspired?
1: No, no. But I wore uniforms in grade school and high school. I went to Catholic school. So, you know, I wore the same thing every day. And so part of the inspiration actually was the idea that you know, I could just get up and get dressed in five minutes and I didn't have to think about it. And, mm-hmm. and my friends who went to the public high school, you know, they were boys and they had to dress and they spent a lot of time thinking about what they would wear. And I remember thinking I could just reserve that for my fun times on the weekends and I could just go to school and, you know, not have to think about it. So when I found myself in New York and trying to look like a designer and all of that, I remember longing for the days of the uniform where I could just put on my clothes and go so I think I think aside from the kimono that uniform idea. But I didn't want a plain just boring uniform. I wanted I wanted some uh, you know possibilities to play with it and and have it look different and but not have to throw things away. So my idea is more like create a system mm-hmm. of things that work together. And so you can make it fresh. You can have a few new pieces, you know, and each season, but you don't have to throw it all away.
0: Yeah. No, I mean there's just the way that we consume, and it feels like there is a sea change happening. It yeah. sort of got to this point. Yeah, certainly as Definitely. I when I was growing up, there wasn't this idea of mass consumption and things were yeah. expensive relatively. Yeah. And then when actually when I was at Condé Nast, it was like when fast fashion exploded, <sighs> and I would just was buying so much shit at where, wherever Zara, H yeah. and like all those places. I mean, it was this consumption right overdrive right. for all of us. And and now it seems like people are just like pushing all of the stuff out of their lives as rapidly as it came in, and wanting fewer, better things. Which I know you've been preaching for
1: for a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think there's some kind of tipping point that's coming that's come here that people are seeing both the the kind of the sickness of the time and the energy we spend. In, in that world of, you know, just changing and buying things and, you know, cleaning closets and endless amounts of time we can spend or getting dressed, you know. But also I think the planet, the situation around sustainability has kind of come into play. So it's both that over like overstuffed over too much. I just can't stand it anymore. I don't even have time to think to, you know, what am I doing to the planet with what I buy and, you know.
0: And I think for so long, many of us, I certainly was guilty of this. I mean, I bought a lot of vintage clothing too, but there was this idea, I think, that we all comforted ourselves with that, oh, someone will want this. Like once I'm done with this, Mm. you know, this dress... Like I'll donate it, and that right. will just really make someone's day. And now we're yeah. clearly at a point where no one wants this stuff. Like right. there is nowhere for it to go. Right, it Africa.
1: There's a lot of countries that are already like you know off. saying no more. Yeah, you know. and it's then really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, and I think it's just sort of halted this idea of oh, I'm bringing another piece of clothing into the world, and someone's going to want it. Yeah, and. I think we all recognize that there's a responsibility yeah. to everything that we purchase, and there's an energy to it. I hope it. you're right
1: about that. I think that's I think exactly so. what we want to see happen.
0: Yeah. I also think this is something that Gwyneth talks about a lot, because people ask us about you know our price points, and they want the things that we make to be cheaper. And she's like, we have to collectively wean off of this idea that everything can and should be cheap because when you're buying good ingredients, whether it's raw ingredients for beauty products or it's beautiful fabrics and you're paying living wages and making things with care and respect, there is a cost. It's not arbitrary. And these things should cost more. And we should all get used to this idea of spending an appropriate amount of money on a t-shirt or a sweater, knowing that we intend to keep it in our lives. Yeah. yeah, It's a different... We have to change the mindset. Yeah. I know
1: we definitely have a lot of people that complain about our prices, like your clothes, too much money, you know? Yeah. And I understand that, and I wish they cost less, you know? But we made certain decisions years ago, I I remember, and our prices have gone up Mm -hmm. over the years, and some of it is that material costs have gone up, natural materials have gone up. And some of it is the the you know sustainability efforts that we have you know aspired to, and uh, for example, organic cotton costs fifteen percent more. yeah, and it just does. and some some things actually don't have to, and you know but that's another whole story and how we we have to change the whole system in order mm-hmm. to get more things that don't have to cost more. but that's that's changing the that's investments and
0: it's investments. But it's also, I think, for consumers who can't afford it who or it's against choosing to buy fewer things, choosing yeah, to afford yeah, that's fewer good. things, that's yeah, good
1: I mean, think about people should maybe look at what they spend on clothing in a year and try to think how could they spend it more consciously? yeah, you know shop more exactly carefully and more consciously.
0: Exactly. You know, I was watching one of those makeover shows that are so fun to watch, particularly in work from home periods of time. Not to sound judgmental, but they, you know, they essentially took this woman, made her over, et cetera, threw out all of her clothing, and then gave her a $5,000 wardrobe. And $5,000 is a lot of money. And with that, you could buy plenty of things yeah. of a certain quality, right. and yet what they gave her, it was like three racks of clothing mm. and like 20 pairs of shoes. Wow. And I was like, this is
1: insane. I don't even think I have 20 pairs of shoes. <laughs> no,
0: but it's that's the mindset that I think we all collectively, again, it's like if you're going to spend $500 a year on clothing, can you buy three, two or three better things right. to augment what you have? I also love the idea of school uniforms simply because yeah. yeah. It just eliminates, kids, right? Yeah. It eliminates a lot of all of those factors.
1: Right. I think besides, you know, the the money, the cost and and you know, there's there's the time factor of mm-hmm. of and I was mentioning cleaning closets, but the time spent getting dressed and you know, focused on on that rather than on you know what can i do with my life that can make a difference or what's my purpose or what's meaningful to me yeah and you know we and i think at the same time we all want to look good and have a right to look good and 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 should feel good in our clothes i'm i'm just like crazy passionate about fabrics and and how we feel and and that our fabrics, the clothes we wear, should help us feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, didn't I feel like I read a quote from you where you were saying that you feel uncomfortable enough <laughs> right, right. that you want to be or dress comfortably? Right, right.
1: That part of the why about starting this business had to do with my own discomfort, you know, that I always say I'm an uncomfortable person. I'm sort of awkward socially and un- uncomfortable. And so, you know, any clothing that restricts me or, you know, makes me feel uncomfortable or doesn't make me feel just myself mm-hmm. then that just adds to my discomfort. So I that's just such a huge priority for me. Yeah. To design clothes that are comfortable, that are simple, that are timeless, that last, all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. No, I'm here for it. <laughs> so when you and I like, as you probably know, wonderful rumors about your company abound. Like oh. people stay oh. for decades. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? We have
1: turnover now because we've been in business 35 years. So, you know, a lot of us are aging out (laughs) because we've been there so long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that you have a miraculous turn rate.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is that – what do you attribute that to? Is it just you're an incredible hirer or –
1: I think we're a community. We're a family in a way. We, you know, I think some of it is, you know, we're we're an ESOP employee-owned, you know – Employee stock ownership program. Do do you know about it? It's it's
0: like ten percent, forty
1: percent of our company is owned by the employees. Wow. Yeah, and we also share profits, and so I think that people feel they're really a part of it.
0: You know, Mm. they're they're owners. Yeah. So
1: they're really invested in the success, what's working, what's not working, and you know, being in the midst of those kinds of conversations, and being really engaged.
0: And there's no people
1: want to be there. Yeah, and there's no CEO. Well, officially now I'm the co-CEO. We have, uh. <laughs> we've decided to have co-CEOs right now. So that's kind of a new concept. We're still playing with it. <laughs> I don't really feel comfortable as a co-CEO or even as a CEO. I, I kind of always thought of myself as sort of chief creative officer, sort of always felt like the kind of concept was at the center and trying to keep on track with the concept was what I was trying to do and, so, and the vision and where we're headed and things like that. And so I don't know, that's not exactly CEO. We do have a strange corporate structure that is constantly evolving. In general, we have a small leadership team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something in the way we work together, the way we listen to each other, the way we connect and try try to all make it work together that is part of the secret, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, did you, were you reading Harvard Business Review manuals, or did you just sort of devise (laughs) this all intuitively,
1: or? Uh, Yeah, well, I think the fact that I, yeah, didn't really study business, and didn't really, I don't know if I really worked in a corporation. I worked in a design company for a while, a couple of years, I worked in restaurants and things like that. I worked for myself most of the time, so I was just kind of doing what made sense to me. Yeah. And so so, sharing profits and, you know, sharing ownership, you know, felt right.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, I would imagine, I mean, that's, it's kind of breathtaking because I feel like in our corporate culture now, I think we all are, you know, sipping the scarcity water and like, when is it enough and when is it enough and how do I get mine and how do I get what I quote unquote deserve and Mm -hmm. so... It seems very radical mm. to not operate like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's hard, and I don't know exactly all of how different it is because we have, we certainly have certain hierarchies, and we have some titles across the company, and we have... It's a little confusing. I couldn't tell you what most people's titles are. I'm always surprised when I hear them. <laughs> <laughs> People are, you know name basis mostly. So I think some of it just really happened very organically because we grew kind of one person at a time, you know, one garment, one person, like one store, you know, it was very organic. Yeah. Which I think is is actually interesting because we kind of hit a certain large size and then then kind of the system started to get a little weird and, you know, too many people in the room trying to make decisions, 30 people in a room, and you know, that it's all of a sudden starts to get a little much. So we're, we've been in a process over the last few years to try to look at, first of all, with a lot of us at the higher levels, you might say, trying to figure out what's, you know, what's a succession plan for this organization? What's a structure that will take us forward and that mm-hmm. That holds the collaborative model that we've organically built, but also acknowledges we're in a new time, we're bigger, and we have to be more fluid and quicker sometimes with decisions. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real interesting sort of how do we do that? Yeah. So I think we're looking for the balance. Yeah. Trying to find the right.
0: One thing we talk about here a lot, because it is so many women. I don't know what the makeup of your business is. So many women. (laughs) So many women. I think
1: 80% women. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is finding and then within ourselves, and a few
1: great men, I always say, <laughs> a few
0: amazing men, a few amazing men who love women, <laughs> right? But finding the masculine feminine balance, and I think within yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. yeah, like that the creative
1: yeah. feminine
0: side, and then
1: the masculine side in all of us,
0: yeah, and trying right. to like keep a balance. When so many of us, at least here, like we're like, can we just be feminine and right, mother everyone, right? And it's uncomfortable to have to be. Sort right. of in your...
1: Direct and yeah. make, a, make a conscious decision that, you know...
0: the yeah. people might not like.
1: Right. Yeah, so, it's hard. Yeah. But it's important. That's yeah. a constant thing to weigh. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, I think, where we're at globally, too. I Definitely. Mean, and in every relationship. But clearly, the masculine way was good when we were conquering lands and building homesteads. And now it's time for the feminine to, like nurture and enough and hold space and yeah fit, fix this mess yeah
1: yeah yeah and look at the whole i think women think differently mm. both including people but including the planet in the whole
0: holistic way we try to do things we'll get back to eileen fisher in just a second Detox month is all wrapped up at Goop, but I'm still trying to keep things relatively clean and our food team is always looking for the highest quality ingredients in every season to work within the kitchen, and that includes the bar cart. The team has developed a number of cocktails using Kettle One Botanical, which is vodka distilled with real botanicals and made with non-GMO grain. There's no carbs and no sugar, and no artificial sweeteners or flavors. There are three Kettle One Botanical varietals cucumber and mint grapefruit and rose and peach and orange blossom and they all make for really fresh tasting cocktails if you're looking for inspiration see the goop recipes for sumac salty dog or the peach and flowers or just grab some fever tree soda and mix a botanical spritz you can order kettle botanical on drizzly.com to try it out yourself that's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. back to my chat with eileen fisher Has your brand always been sustainable, or are you guys moving more rapidly towards that now? I would
1: say that the concept in itself was a sustainable idea. Timeless clothes, the idea of the kimono, that, you know, modeling after that idea that one garment could be the main garment that a whole country wore for a thousand years. So that idea of timeless clothes, but we started... I came to understand, we came to understand that natural fibers, I was very much, you know, always natural fibers. And it, it became clear that that wasn't enough. We became aware that conventional cotton really pollutes mm-hmm. the land. And a lot of conventional ways that we do things, dye clothes and process materials and make wool and all kinds of things are are actually very detrimental to the to the land and to the water and to the air. So we started working with organic cotton probably 20 years ago. But we just had a group here or there. We weren't mm-hmm. overall fully, deeply committed. We were just trying and trying to do it where we could and testing and, and mm-hmm. learning. And and I think it was about f- six years ago or so. And we'd been do- we were doing a lot of things. We had a head of s- a social consciousness. We hired her 25 years ago. Wow. And we had a head of... Sustainability. She hired the head of sustainability probably fifteen years ago. The head of human rights. You know, there are lots of different you know people in those areas. So that, that those things were happening over the years. And I think it was about six years ago when we, uh, it was Amy Hall who heads the social social consciousness area, decided that we needed to we needed to bring the the sustainability work more embed it more deeply into the whole organization. So she hired an outside consultant, Sarah Schley, interesting, and she did, she created a a series of workshops, and we brought people from across the company together. And that's the moment when we committed to what we call Vision 2020, our sustainability goals. We decided we wanted to be a 100% sustainable company. And of course, we knew that wasn't like realistic, we just knew that if we ha- if we committed to a hundred percent, you know, we were going to get further faster. Right, and so we did that. And I remember at that time having like a powerful realization as Sarah turned to me in one of the meetings and said Eileen are you are you you know what do you think about this and i just remember going yes and and realizing oh my god you know like my voice matters here you know i'm i'm the leader like my name's on the door i don't think of myself as a leader mm-hmm. it's strange i always think it's we're a big collective and we're doing this all together and but there was this moment of realization that that i need to i need to stand behind this and, mm-hmm. and amy Amy says that that made a big difference. I, I, I'm i not sure, but I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it it was a big moment for the company of getting a lot of people on board, the designers, uh, you know, salespeople and people in advertising, store people. We created a sustainable ambassadors program and, and just really spread the ideas throughout the company. And just people, um, you know... I think found it really meaningful and, you know, really important about the work that we're trying to do and got really committed. And so we've made a lot of progress on our 2020 goals. We're somewhere in the mid-70s of, our, of all of our materials being eco-preferred. And just, you know, we're, we're on a path to look at our next, what are our next goals? What, where are we going to go for and, and what I'm most excited about is that we're actually looking at not just how we can reduce the pollution or you know clean the water as we go with closed-loop technologies, or you know that we can actually we can actually impact the planet in a positive way. Mm. Like we can actually work with farmers and get more farmers to transition their land from conventional farming to organic farming by the way we work with them and support them or the, my favorite project right now is in Argentina where we're working with the wool farmers there and the way they work with the, the sheep and the land and the way they herd the sheep they're actually like regenerating the agriculture mm. you can you know you can see the land coming back. In, in the photograph. It's so, it's so incredible. And that it actually draws down carbon in the way they're producing the wool. So we can actually make things better through yeah. the way we produce clothes. That, that is such a shocking idea, even to me.
0: Do you sort of as pioneers in this space, because it's hard, you know, I know other companies have made some stride, like I know Levi's is doing good work with denim yeah. and there are sort of pockets and of this and yeah, yeah, yeah. popping up. Do you imagine that there will be, and maybe this already exists, but that there will be sort of a consortium of responsible brands yeah. sharing resources? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there, there, there already are. My teams are very connected with yeah.
0: Patagonia
1: and Athleta and some of the other companies that are trying really hard and making doing a lot of really good work. And so we're sharing all that we're doing, and yeah, you know, they meet together. And there's there's quite a few other yeah. companies and brands involved. So it's 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 good. And there's a whole lot to do. Yeah. But if we work together, because it's pre-competitive, you know, it should be that. You know, customers shouldn't have to pick the brands that are more sustainable. Yeah. We should all be.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I know. We're working on it, too. And it's, it's complicated it's and really hard. Complicated. But it's so essential. It just feels overwhelming. And Yeah.
1: But I it's do It's another think- thing on top of all that you're trying to do to make clothes that people yeah. want and, exactly. you know, find the things you love. Um, and then it's like, oh, but it's not organic. Yeah. Then what? Only 1% of cotton today is organic, so... I know it's crazy. It's not easy.
0: It's not easy, but I do think consumers are starting. You know, they're they're yes. going to expect it, yeah. and then I think they also this might be wishful thinking, but I think that there's a certain amount of grace that's allowed, and I think the more the more transparent that people are, yeah. the better. You know, I think even Patagonia is such a good example right. of their awareness about microfibers <sighs> and right. what's happening they're and struggling with that. Yeah, right. and working on fixes and right. being acknowledging of it and. Right. And I feel like consumers are not swayed in their devotion to Patagonia. Right, and like, right. It's all these are all things that we're trying to figure out mid-flight.
1: Right, and consumers. I think the first thing. I, I mean, I, I often say, you know, to to you know, try to slow down as you were talking about, and and to try to 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 th- To shop more consciously, mm-hmm. you know, to really not to just impulse buy. Even though we want to love things, we can have yeah. a few things like that. But we really, you know, to really be careful and and to and to support the brands who are trying hard. Yeah, you know, and to realize that your dollars can go to making a difference in the same way as our our production can actually improve the land. Every single one of us, every little choice we make, you know, what we eat. What we put on our bodies, you know, uh, what we invest in, uh, all of it, you know, getting out of fossil fuels, and totally. you know that we can that we can make those conscious choices, little ones and big ones, yeah. every day, all the time. Women, we have so much power. We have so much. We're power. the spenders, you yeah. know. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's um, and it, I mean, you think about Walmart being the biggest. I, I remember being staggered by that when it came out that they were the biggest. Purveyor of organic goods. This oh, is, yeah. you know, many, many, many years ago. Wow. And, but just the force of markets and the more that we show companies, like, we don't want right. all these dangerous synthetic chemicals in our skincare products. Like, use your R&D dollars. You know, that's the other response that we have, which is, because our skincare is, you know, we have a clean beauty shop and we really care about personal care products right. and what's in them. Yeah, and right.
1: No, that's really great. Yeah.
0: But... And our our line is amazing. It's expensive, yeah. Be- again, because of, we don't have the economies of scale and right. many right. other companies. And we try and buy these incredible raw ingredients. That's right. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. But the more that we create the need or the demand or the expectation for better products, then you see the big companies with massive R&D budgets sort of pivoting away right. from these harmful ingredients. Right. And then... And then the whole market moves, right?
1: So you're like a platform in a way, or yeah, you, know, you can affect change, even if you don't get the profits from it. Yeah, you can still affect change in the world, and and maybe that's it's
0: part a good, of our good. That's an
1: important thing. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think for you guys, just to, to obviously it feels like the right thing for you to do as well, but for you to say like, look, this is possible at scale. Yeah. 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 I mean your your company is not insignificant in size. How yeah. many people work at Eileen Fisher? A- 1100. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So to show that it's possible yeah. is such a great service.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think and regenerative farming and and what we're seeing as people turn back land is one of it's one of the things that gives me the most comfort. Yeah, as it's a exciting, mom. isn't yeah. it? Right, it is. Yeah,
1: I like what you were saying too about vintage shopping and recycling, and we we we've been doing all that too for many many years. And I, another project I'm excited about. While you're talking about exciting, you know that we have. We we take the clothes back and the clothes that we can't resell, we remake. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about our project, yeah. the Waste No More project, but that we're actually like making these amazing artwork and pillows and rugs and things like it's really exciting. You know, that it's possible without making more stuff yeah. to take the stuff. But if you're working with quality ingredients like you're talking about that you do yeah. Goop, then they're still valuable in, in our case because they end up, you know, they don't get used up. They end up you know still being there and so what do you do with them and if the fabric is good quality it makes the most beautiful things afterwards even when you cut it apart and yeah. making it into something new
0: it's so and you, when you think about the energy of things energy, and right. you know having having fewer things that then mean more to you yeah. and then giving them another life like yeah. you know that's i think a beautiful idea and i also just like as you said earlier in the conversation being able to clear away the clutter so you can find your purpose. Yeah. I mean, when I moved to Los Angeles, I had so much stuff. And then I did this massive shedding because so much of it was, you know, I used to do a lot of TV in New York for the magazines that I worked for. I had all these pencil skirts and silk blouses and... Colors. I hope the pencil
1: skirts were stretchy because at least if they move. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: they did not move. They were highly binding. Oh, God. And so many high heels. It's so many shoes. And I just did this. I mean, I it's it's shameful because it's so, – I mean, although a lot of it was really nice stuff that went to dress for success. But, oh, right. Dress for success.
1: We were yeah. one of the first supporters of oh, that. You were? Yeah. yeah.
0: But to have the clarity that I have in my closet now yeah. nice. is just – So helpful in ways that are... Freeing, very freeing. Yeah. 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 So how... time. Did you always know... I mean, I know you had these moments of inspiration and you say you're not a good leader, but clearly that's not true. Uh How did you... Or is your purpose... Are you continually refining it? Oh, right.
1: It's a daily activity, I think, purpose for me. Like, I'm constantly asking myself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to goop today? <laughs> what yeah. is that about? <laughs> what, can I, what can I, you know, communicate? What, what will make a difference for people? So I'm always trying to think, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And I, I don't know if you know my story, but I have this purpose chair that I sit in. Mm-hmm. I bring my journals. I've been journaling since I was 25. And every day I write, you know, what, you know, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, you know. Do you yeah, read them? I do. I go back and read them. I usually, when, when a journal is full, I go back and read it before I put it away and, you know.
0: That's so nice.
1: I make a few notes in my next journal. And uh, it's nice. It's also very complicated and confusing, like life, you know. It's, uh, it's not simple and it's not, like, instantly clarifying either. It's yeah. like questions. What? Why? And maybe I don't get the answer. And maybe it comes later, like, oh, you know, it just it feels right. Do, you know, do what feels right.
0: Do you still do, like, the morning ritual? My morning ritual.
1: Yeah. I meditate. And I do yoga every morning. Then you yeah. go to your
0: purpose chair.
1: Then I go to my purpose chair and I journal. I and drink the, coffee and journal.
0: <laughs> what's the – and then what do you – you have, like, a three-word. Is it relax, breathe, release? Oh. oh Did what I get it, that right? Yeah.
1: God, I, I, I've stopped doing that. Well, you That's might need so it interesting. in this weird time. Breathe, relax, feel.
0: Breathe, relax, feel.
1: Wow. Yeah. God, thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> it's so weird. You know, you do things and then you stop doing them sometimes. Breathe, relax, feel. I've been doing this little exercise. It's a fun one. What's between you and feeling free? Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's, it helps me to feel. It's What's really...
0: between you and feeling free? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's between you and feeling free
1: right this minute? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm feeling a little tension, sort of a little stress.
0: I can't <laughs> imagine. I why. can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and then I do it. I keep doing it. And so then it's a sort of an exercise. I do. I do it with Greg. I do it with different people. And so you do it. You ask the question, mm-hmm. and then you see what comes up. So first comes up that I'm feeling a little stressed. You know. Then it might come up you know, what's between me and feeling free. It might come up that I'm worrying about my business right now. Mm -hmm. Or it might come up that I'm wondering how my daughter's doing or my son. You know, that's kind of what's coming up. And it just it just helps me to kinda be in touch with what's underneath, sort of. Yeah.
0: What's driving you?
1: Or what's driving me or what's stressing me or what's you
0: know Yeah. As you like think about your business and I mean we were talking about this before we started what this great unknown of what's happening and some of the strangest yeah, times.
1: Yeah, strange like, times.
0: How do you hold space for people in your company as you guys navigate through this?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we have our little practice, we have a moment of silence. We do it before meetings, which is really nice. And And what you know, what I do is I just keep trying to remind people that you know we just have to stay on this together and try to work this out together, and um, we're gonna get stronger mm-hmm. for this. and there's some meaning in this, and we might not know it now, but you know, if we stay together and try to work through it together we'll we'll learn and we'll get stronger.
0: Mm-hmm. and do you find? I would imagine like leading 1,100 people, there's so much projection. But is it just part of the culture? Like, people want to, like, they want to, they want you to hold all of their anxiety uh, for yeah, them. Yeah. And, but do you, I guess, if you are this collaborative community, then you probably have many people who can help you. That's exactly
1: right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I'm actually good enough at holding people's stress, you know, or anxiety. I'm probably not that kind of. Leader, but we have a lot. Of, we have a whole people and culture department. We have others who are really good at, you know, holding the space for people. So I just try to give them permission to hold the space for people.
0: Yeah. What do you um, when you think about vision twenty vision, vision twenty twenty yeah twenty twenty vision I guess works too. Yeah, but, yeah um, I know vision. that's sort of the play <laughs> on words we used. <laughs> what's 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 your next big? Fantasy goal.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess I'd like to just be fully responsible for all that we do, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd like. I'd like to. I'd like to be helpful in terms of helping others to thrive, you know. Like I think sustainability and what we're trying to do you know, is really good, like trying to get the pollutants out and all those kinds of things. But I think if I can play a role in helping others to to thrive in this difficult time, to know that it's challenging and it's really hard and and, you know, how can we... Hold the space for ourselves mm-hmm. and try to stay calm in the midst and, and try to thrive. And can we still dance and can we still have joy? Can we still wear clothes that let us move and feel yeah. good and, and be comfortable and all that in the midst of all the all the madness.
0: God, it's crazy out there. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, so you it have does, to stay stay. Yeah. Stay focused and stay calm.
0: Stay focused and stay calmed and and then I think we're also at this weird moment in time of like how do we share collective resources yeah. and how do we create these great <sighs> brain trusts across the globe as we all learn how to do things better you yeah. know yeah. it seems like it's also an un- ten- unprecedented time for opportunity for everyone to be like let's collaborate because mm. we're so yeah. interdependent and, yeah.
1: and now we have to do it all over the internet and yeah. <laughs> podcasts <laughs> I know. Good about these things, yeah.
0: I don't know. I feel like I feel like it is an opportunity, or we're getting an increasing number of opportunities Yeah, rapidly.
1: We're being desperately called quickly yes. <laughs> to
0: make changes. To make changes. Yeah. And that the more we do it together, and the yeah. less, you know, yeah. that seems to be...
1: Help each other. Yes.
0: Yeah. God, it's weird Not out there. Not to get
1: depressed in the midst of it all. Yeah. yeah.
0: Try and, to... Try to also find Find the
1: beauty and the connection and Mm -hmm. the the good in in the midst, and know that this is a transformational moment. It's meant to be for some reason. And there's some meaning and some good that will come of this.
0: Yeah. And that hopefully we can all, and I know this isn't, this seems trite and silly, but that we can all find safety in this Mm -hmm. and realize that collectively we have enough. Yeah. Yeah. And we just need to get better at spreading it around and Mm, taking care of each other. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Eileen Fisher. To check out her clothing line, head to eileenfisher.com. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.